1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Paydirt, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show was brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Paydirt. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and their Silent Disco IPA. Be sure to also check out the S'morter. That's a s'mores-flavored porter coming out already. It's available now. And the Double Citrus Hazy Double IPA will be out by the end of February. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms and Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York, in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit FunkBrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue T-shirt. It has the Pater wordmark over the heart and on the back. Circa the 2012 Penn State football season, it has Matt McGloin's name and number. Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Pater for our two T-shirts. Before we dive into this episode, we're really going to be trying to get into the weeds in regards to what Penn State has to do to, A, make the college football playoff this upcoming season, and B, what the competition is going to be like in regarding teams across the country that could contend for the CFP. We're going to dive into that in a moment, but we do want to tip our cap to the fabulous people that took part in THON this past weekend, obviously, for those of you that don't know, every year, uh, Penn State holds a 46-hour dance marathon to raise money for Four Diamonds Fund, uh, which raised money to uh, for awareness and to fight pediatric cancer and to give money directly to the families affected in fighting pediatric cancer. Uh, Thon raised over $15 million this past weekend and this past year's effort altogether, which is a new record-setting mark. They broke their own record last year with over $13 million. They've now raised over $219 million to help kids. Uh It's spectacular. And our own Matt McGloin had a chance to be a part of the atmosphere there at Thon. You were a guest presenter. Uh You introduced James Franklin, as a matter of fact. So what was the experience like at Thon? Uh
0: incredible uh you, I, you know what it's, it's almost hard to even describe that atmosphere tom and you know for me like to to again to have the chance to, to call beaver stadium home you know for so many games to have a chance to play on the road playing a lot of different atmospheres have the chance to play professionally in a lot of different atmospheres as well it's just one of those things where you know first off to have you know to, to have that privilege and honor of walking up on that stage as a co-host for the pep rally to be able to introduce James and be able to introduce you know the student uh, student athletic programs there you know at Penn State man it was spectacular and you know I, I was never one to stop and look around that often you know when I was you know in a moment or in a stadium like that but I mean to see what what that is um it's just it's simply incredible um it was an incredible experience and just, just, just to be a part of it, man, was, uh, was fantastic. So a special, special moment. And I hadn't been in there, Tom, probably, you know, I I don't even know how long, right. You have to dance at it, you know, as a freshman when you're part of the football team, but I told him I'm not dancing. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm not dancing, but, uh, but no, it it was fun. It, It was fun. It was an incredible atmosphere, Tom. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking as you're mentioning, you know, 46 hours, I'm not sure I can stand for 46 minutes these days, <laughs> but, uh, but, but just, just, just fantastic to be there.
1: Yeah. And sincerely congratulations and uh huge amount of respect to everybody involved in phonic and $15 million uh, to, to help kids with pediatric cancer and their families. It's spectacular, and it's one of the best things that Penn State does, period. So we wanted to send our congratulations there. Uh, again, before we dive into this college football playoff discussion regarding Penn State football in 2023, 2024, uh, a little piece of news that kind of slid under the radar that, Matt, I don't think is really getting enough Attention, Um, many might know that former Arizona Cardinals head coach Ken Wisenhunt has been a part of Penn State's staff the last two seasons as an offensive analyst. Uh, It recently came out that he is taking a job at Alabama. Uh, He is going to be a special assistant on the coaching staff, of course, for the legend Nick Saban. To me, this is a big loss. I don't think people realize what Ken Wisenhunt brings to the table, what he brought to the table for Penn State for two years. A lot of people, naturally, Matt, look at coordinators, offensive and defensive, and the head coach. But an offensive analyst with the resume of Ken Wisenhunt is a big deal. What did you make of this change in the coaching staff?
0: Well, you got to remember this too about Wisenhunt. You know, he's a tight ends guy. Mm-hmm. Right, He played tight end. He was a tight ends coach. You mentioned your head coach, of the Arizona Cardinals, head coach of the Titans. He's been an offensive coordinator. I mean, God, the, the, the guy's been coaching professionally since the mid nineties. So, you know, even though he didn't, wasn't a positional coach, Tom, I mean, you have to think that impact of having a guy with Wizenhut who has experience as a player, the knowledge of being a head coach, being a coordinator, be, we saw what the tight ends were able to do this year. Hmm. So I think this is a big loss um, for Penn State. You are right; it's not being talked about enough. But I mean, again, with a guy like Wizenhut to now go, you know, from being that you know analyst type role he had at Penn State. I think that's what the title of his role was, right? Mm-hmm. Offensive analyst, and now going to be the special assistant. Um, to the head coach, I mean, at Alabama, I mean, I, this, yeah, th- this is this is a loss for 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 Penn State. Um, you know, I just hope that tight end room doesn't doesn't suffer because of it.
1: Sure, and, and listen, we think the world of Ty Howell. We've had Coach Fisher here mm-hmm. on the podcast a number of, of times. Ty Howell has done a really good job, and overall, the recruiting of tight ends continues to be extremely good at Penn State. So, uh, outside of a particular position, Hunt just brings. A lot of experience and a lot mm-hmm. of listen, his reputation is very, very good in the football world. And again, I, I always come back to the contract extension that James Franklin signed in the twenty twenty one season and big part of that was trying to get money for uh, more coaches uh, to retain analysts, to retain coordinators, and that's something that you've kept Mike Yersich, you've kept some position coaches around. Now, Manny Diaz appears to be going into season number two as defensive coordinator, barring some sort of change in the offseason. Ken Wisenhunt, while not necessarily, you know, like we talked about, calling the shots on the offense or defense, that is a valuable member of your staff Mm. to have as, I don't know if you would call it, Matt, a second set of eyes. You've undoubtedly worked with consultants, analysts, assistant, whatever the title is. But it, it, way, in what way does a, a coach like that play into the offense? For instance? Well,
0: I think, you know, you mentioned Ty. And again, Ty was a teammate of mine at Penn State for four years. Ty was a great player. He's now transitioned into a very, very good coach and now coaching the tight ends but I mean when you've got a guy like Wizenhut who's been coaching for almost 30 years I mean you can't teach that experience that that guy has I mean you have to he, he's seen it all yeah. right and, and not just at the tight end position but at every position to so to have the chance when you're a younger coach to learn like a guy from Wizenhut, be able to spend time with him be able to pick his brain you know what are you seeing on tape here you know how do you think this this could be handled versus how do you think that can be handled right I mean that in itself you know, is, is an incredible experience for a coach to learn from a guy like Wizenhut. So, you know, I'm wondering, Tom, who, who else they're going to bring in as an offensive analyst to maybe fill that that Wizenhut role. I would like to see somebody with a lot of experience like like Wizenhut come back into Penn State, you know, in that, that offensive world uh, to be able to help that offense continue to grow, continue to develop. And again, we know this is a year where there are some question marks surrounding that wide receiver group. So again, I think everybody is going to be focusing on that tight end group once again.
1: It's something that you see more and more uh, in and the NFL and college coaching is members of the staff that are brought on, not necessarily again, to be a coordinator or you know offensive or defensive, but maybe somebody that can just be a sounding board for a head coach potentially, somebody who's been there and just kind of like everything's kept in a vacuum and just the opportunity to pull somebody aside and bounce ideas off of being able to bounce ideas off them at different positions, who knows, is being valuable to uh, the breadth of the staff. So I, I wish the best for Ken Wizenhunt, But honestly, when I saw that piece of news come out recently, I was like, that's a significant loss that I don't think is being reported enough. So uh, like you, very interested to see if they are able to replace that at all, because Ken Wizenhunt's don't necessarily grow on trees. uh, And there's just so many opportunities now in professional football or opportunities to make money as a coach in the professional ranks, the college ranks. Who knows if there could be a replacement or not? So we'll have to see about that. But the crux of this episode, Matt, as we were talking about, and you and I have been pretty outspoken that this feels like a team in 2023, 2024 that can contend for the college football playoff. Now, contend is a – It's a big verb. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to happen. By the time the 2024 playoff comes around, it's going to expand to 12 teams. So the accomplishment, not to lessen it, but it's less difficult, obviously. Uh, To be able to make the playoff in 2023, you still need to be one of the best four teams in the country. When you look at what the landscape is of college football, what are some teams around the country that jump to mind for you that are going to be in Penn State's way? To make the playoffs. Oh wow!
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I mean, Tom, you you have to start at the start in the Big Ten with Michigan and Ohio State. I don't see how you look past either one of those teams. You know, regardless of, regardless of, you know, whether. Ohio State is vulnerable or not, right? We've mentioned that before in a previous episode. Uh Michigan, again, we've talked about this. They know exactly who they are. They know exactly who they're supposed to be. They're gonna continue, you have to assume they're gonna continue to build off of that and be the same team they were this year. Um, I mean, outside of that, I, I think it's gonna be the same teams we talk about year in and year out, right? The Alabamas, the Georgias, um, you know, USC. Um, it, it's it's the teams though, like, you know, the Tennessees. Can they continue? to play well and play at a high level. I think LSU looked fantastic at times, right? I think you always have to mention Notre Dame, Tom, just because you know the talent they have. They recruit well. Um, you know, there's, there's again, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of the same teams, though, that we've seen in years past here, and there's that those few teams on the outside looking in, and it's can they get over that hump? Can they continue to develop? Can they continue to be a push, right? We talk about those contenders and those competitors, but once they get in, can they really compete and find a way to win? And I think Penn State falls in that category where they're a team that we, can, we deserve to talk about. We deserve to say, okay, if you had 8, 10, 12 teams right now here in this 2023 season that you would say who can make a push and who can compete and, to get there, Penn State belongs in that conversation, but it's can they get over that hump and can they get over that hump in their own conference?
1: I was glad you mentioned uh, Notre Dame because I want to go off of uh, a a recent poll that was put out on ESPN. It's something Mm -hmm. we refer to as their ESPN SP plus top 25 poll for 2023. Now that SP plus basically means that they take into account recent performance as of last season recent recruiting as of this recruiting class and then also track record overall that's how they formulate their top 25 so in no way is this necessarily the ap top 25 going into next season but it's something that i think is a very interesting barometer and you hit the nail on the head and kind of formulated the argument for me i want to start at 15 and go up to one and you mentioned notre dame Uh, on this list notre dame is number fifteen. I'm curious to see how they do. Getting Sam Hartman in at quarterback is great. However, Marcus Freeman's coaching staff, it's been a little odd in that they've lost some key pieces. They lost Tommy Reese to Alabama, the offensive coordinator, which a lot of people thought Reese and Hartman, wow, what a combination that would be. But when Bama comes calling, as we just talked mm-hmm. about with Hunt, you listen, it's Nick Saban for crying out loud. Um, so you already addressed Notre Dame. I want to jump to 14. 14 is Oklahoma. With Brent Venables, what a rocky first season! What do you think about Oklahoma's chances?
0: Uh, yeah, look, I, I think it's again, it's one of those teams, Tom, where it's like you know, you, you you expect them to be to be there every single year. Obviously, they had their ups and downs a year ago with Brent Venables, uh, but I mean, it, it's still it's still Oklahoma. They still have been there before, so I think it's a mentality for them. It's almost expected in a way. Right, you know what I mean. Where where you show up every single day, you expect to compete, you expect to win, you expect to make that push to the college football playoff. So for them, I think that's already there. It's just about going out and doing it. Um, whereas other teams, that mentality needs to develop, and they need to find that mentality where they can say, "Listen, you know, we've changed the culture. We now need to believe it. It's now expected."
1: Very important for them. They get quarterback Dylan Gabriel back last year, uh back this year, and he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year, and years before that at UCF for that matter. And a, an important thing to remember for Oklahoma and Texas, who we'll mention here in a moment, they'll be moving to the SEC in 2024. So you got to wonder. It's like even though the playoff expands to 12 in 24. Is the competing for it within the SEC by that time? It's going to be a lot trickier than it will be in twenty twenty three. But Oklahoma's a lot of work to do. Jumping to thirteen, as somebody Penn State knows very well, the Utah Utes—they just beat them in the Rose Bowl. Um, no Cam Rising next season, so that's that's a huge question mark for Kyle Whittingham. What do you think about Utah?
0: Yeah, I, again, I think I think Utah's in a similar you know situation to you know the Tennessees and um, like the Kansas States, even the TCU's Tom. Right. Can they do it every single year? Can they be that consistent team every single year that you're saying, you know, they got a chance, they got a chance, they got a chance. I don't think so. I think we saw what had happened with Cam rising was injured in that Rose Bowl game. They just were not the same football team, Tom. So, you know, I, I don't know. Um if they can do what they've done the the past two years again, this season, you know, I, I I think Penn state is certainly way ahead of where, of where Utah is right now. Um,
1: You know, and I, and I think they'll, they'll, you know, it,
0: they won't necessarily be anywhere on, on Penn State's radar here moving forward,
1: Tom. I agree with you, and especially the competition that's cropping up in the Pac-12. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't know if I like Utah's chances to break out of that conference next season. That's unfortunate. The Pac-12 has fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 12, according to this list, is Clemson with Cade Klubnick entering his first official season. As the starting quarterback, uh, DJU transferring to Oregon State during the offseason, so the job is club next. He's still young. He showed flashes of brilliance. I'm kind of with you uh, in, in relation to how you were describing Utah and some of the, the struggles they're going to have and have had this past season, but I don't see Clemson making leaps and bounds, if anything. I feel like they fall behind mm-hmm. in regards to recruiting and then especially in the ACC, all of a sudden look out for Florida State. How do you feel yeah. about the Tigers?
0: Well, it's still an 11-3 football team, right? They still have had a very good football season. They still have a lot of talent, right? So it's one of those, again, it's one of those things, Tom, where it's like you can't put anything past Clemson. You can't count a program like Clemson out, knowing they still have Dabo Sweeney as their leader, as their head football coach day in and day out. It's a program that's going to be well-prepared. It's a program that's going to be expected to win. And it's a program, Tom, where that's, If you're Penn State, that's what you need to strive to become, right? A consistent program year in and year out like Clemson, who's always dangerous, who expects to win, who prepares to win. Um, And you know, anytime they they, they lace them up each and every Saturday afternoon, it's going to be a very difficult game.
1: Yeah, and again, within the ACC, you're going to have to deal with Drake May and UNC, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to deal with, oddly enough, the number 11 team on this list that we've been talking about, the ESPN SP Plus top 25 rankings for 2023. Number 11, they have the Florida State Seminoles uh, quarterback Jordan Travis looked awesome last season and it seemed to elevate this team and on top of that this is a team that's really come out of the cellar in regards to recruiting they've landed some excellent players in the transfer portal they look primed to at least be ultra competitive in the acc whether or not they make the playoff i'm i'm going no but still it looks like the seminoles are coming back to look like florida state all of a sudden
0: yeah 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 I mean, I agree Tom, you know I think it's a competitive football team. I don't think they make that push just yet, right um you know it's 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 a program where they're they are returning right every quarterback on their roster from a year ago, Tom so you know certainly headed in the right direction, um but I, I don't think it's a program that's there just yet.
1: Yeah. number 10 on this list, and I think they should be a lot higher than this is USC. Uh, They returned the Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams. It was very evident for USC in the Pac-12 title game against Utah that Utah won, got Utah into the Rose Bowl against Penn State, is that USC without Caleb Williams has a lot of holes. Caleb Williams is so good that he covered a lot of deficiencies for that Trojan team altogether. Now, you're really excited about what they have going there in USC. They have a ton of hype. But is Caleb Williams Superman? Can he get him into the playoff?
0: I, I mentioned USC earlier, Tom. It's because I think they can. You know what I mean? I I I really do think they can get there this year because of what that kid can do and how special that kid that kid is. And and we saw it week in and week out. We even saw it in the Pac-12 championship game. And it's the combination of Caleb Williams. It's like it's him and Lincoln Riley and what they've done in a short time. Right, it was almost. All, uh, we talk a lot about unfair expectations on this episode. That yes. was almost unfair in a way for USC. Once they got Lincoln Riley, once Caleb Williams came aboard, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is an instant, you know, national title contender. But that's the expectations for those two guys. That's the expectation for that program. Um, and I think they have the capabilities to playing up to that standard. They did it this past year. Obviously, they they, they fell up. They fell short. Um, but I think, again, for them, it, it's not looked at as, all right, well, we, ha- we need to rebuild here a little bit, right? We do have a new head coach. It'll take time. Or we do have you know a quarterback that's transferring in. That may take, t- take time as well, Tom. I-, I don't think that's the mindset there. I don't think that's the mentality there. I think it's like, all right, we've hired you. We've got this Heisman winner. We, we need to win right now. So I think everybody understands that there. I think USC is a program that does get
1: in to the top four this year. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their let there be white tea is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee, for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear SMACK. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com. And use our promo code paydirt fifteen paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. USC for me, I, I saw a team of mercenaries last year, and, mm-hmm. and it was very well publicized. Lincoln Riley crushed the transfer portal, and they got a lot of starters out of it, which was great, but it almost reminds me, Matt, of the way Penn State season went here in 2022. You and I have talked about it a lot. It laid the groundwork for what could be a really great team in 2023. I think if anything, that's maybe the lesson the Trojans learned is that we've got the pieces. It would be great if they could get some sort of defense, but that's not really been Lincoln Riley's thing between (laughs) Oklahoma and now USC. He doesn't play a lot of defense. He's going to give up a lot of points, but they're also going to hang a lot of points on you. If they can come up with a handful of stops per game, and especially in the big moments down the stretch, it's really going to help them out. But maybe – the growing pains of last season, and of course, Caleb Williams can build this season and and shore up some of those gaps in 2023, but I'm with you. I think USC at at 10 on this list, I I would take them a lot higher than that. Okay, here's where I have a flat-out no. (laughs) Number nine is Texas. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't understand this narrative that Texas is back. I, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And and Quinn Ewers... It's every year. It's every year. And and I listen, I like Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's an excellent play caller. He still has a lot of work to do in terms of building this roster. Quinn Ewers plateaued last year. And granted, he had a lot of injury issues. But now, Quinn Ewers has the issue of he is freaking Arch Manning breathing down his neck. I don't know if that sets you up to contend for the playoff in 2023.
0: Here's the problem with what's going to occur at Texas, Tom, right? Sarkeesian Quinn, Ewers, and the guy you just mentioned, you now have the pressure of having that kid on campus. And it's, it's comparable to what we see year in and year out in the national football league where it's like, okay, we're going to draft the kid fifth overall at the quarterback position, but we're also going to bring in an eight year vet to come in and, and play quarterback and be our starter. That eight-year vet has no chance because at the first sign of struggle, everybody is calling for the new guy. That is what Texas is dealing with now, and that's what they're going to deal with when that season kicks off this year. So for me, it's almost like this—the amount of pressure that's on Ewers to play well and to win—is it—it it, it, it might be more than anybody in in the country right now and there's always pressure to win at texas there's always pressure on that head coach to win at texas but now you're putting that pressure on that quarterback um and at the first sign of struggle time you know everybody's gonna be calling for arch manning Mm -hmm. and this kid's gonna have to step in and be the savior of that texas program so it's going to be interesting to see what sarkisian does um what Texas does, and what they do at that quarterback position moving forward, Tom. I mean, you, you almost want to say, listen, we were 8-4 and four a year ago. Do we make this an open competition now at the quarterback position for the spring, for the summer, for training camp, and hey, best man wins?
1: It might be the best answer for them, but even still, the way the Big 12 looks – And again, the Big 12, like the the Pac-12, dwindling, unfortunately, in terms of being competitive in college football, major college football. You're looking at Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, Maybe TCU will be as competitive as last year, but losing Max Duggan, I, I don't know if I buy TCU again next season. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Kansas State and Oklahoma State are going to be competitors there. So I kind of expect the Big 12 to be a dogfight, and a lot of teams just kind of organically knocking each other out. And, and Kansas, the Jayhawks actually made a lot of strides last year. So I, I don't know entirely. And there's some new teams as well within the Big 12. So I just kind of expect the Big 12 to almost cannibalize itself. It's a, it's a strange conference to predict. Jumping from, uh, that's number nine. Let's go to number eight. This is back to the Pac-12. The Oregon Ducks, led by Bo Nix. I really think Bo Nix and company are going to be playoff contenders this coming season. Because the way Bo Nix matured down the back end of last season, Oregon's just scratching the surface. However, an interesting thing, they got a ton of people In the transfer portal. So is that the same issues that USC had, a lot of mercenaries, or do they gel at the right time and put it all together?
0: I think you said it right. Well, first off, Bo Nix, I feel like this kid's been playing football for 15 years (laughs) in college. (laughs) We
1: we got to see him uh, at home versus Auburn a few years ago. I mean, he has ability and seems to have found a great home in Oregon.
0: There's always one of those guys, man, year in and year out, where you're like, I can't believe this guy is still playing football. Um, But heck, man, I—I mean, if they still let me to play, if they were still allowed me to play at Penn State, I would still be playing at Penn State. (laughs) But you're right, and I think it's like it's with that. um, And again, this is something that we talk a lot about. It's like if you're going to take guys from the portal, they're they're complementary pieces, right? They're not guys that. You know, you're 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 going to build and you're going to develop. You're expecting them to come in and perform immediately and mesh and gel into the system that you have and fit into place, right? You fit into that like that that you're a piece of the puzzle, and we're adding you in um, to help our program stronger right now um Oregon's a team that can do that Oregon's a team that can put it all together um and we saw that at times last year so I certainly think they make a push Tom are they going to make a push to be in the front four they make a push to beat a team like USC I I don't think so um but I do think over time over the next couple of years really they have the potential to be that Oregon team we saw years and years ago when Chip Kelly was leading
1: Speaking of Kellys, number seven is Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers on Mm -hmm. this uh, ESPN SP Plus Top 25 list for 2023. LSU looked very, very good and on the rise last year considering it was Brian Kelly's first season at the helm at LSU. felt like it was going to be kind of rocky getting things started there with Brian Kelly, but uh, with a returning quarterback, kind of like we talked about with Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels is back for next season. Uh, Harold Perkins, uh, the linebacker, is absolutely outstanding for LSU. And let's not forget there's a team that knocked off uh, an Alabama team that had a rough season last year by Alabama standards, but still LSU showed that they can win some big games. How do you see them duking it out there in the SEC? Because uh, we're at number seven right now. There's a bunch of SEC teams we still have to get to.
0: Yeah, uh, they should have one of the better offenses, I think, in America this year um, at LSU. And I think we saw it from uh, at times. Um, last year, and there's another guy, Tom, where in year one, it was expected. Um, it's expected at LSU, it's expected for Brian Kelly to show up and and make changes and make them in a hurry, um, and make this team capable of winning and winning now. Um, and he's done that, um, right there. That this isn't a a case of you know, we need to we need to rebuild. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and speaking of LSU, I mean, Noah Kane, right, a former Penn State guy. Mm-hmm. Um, is there so this is this is a good football program. I mean, SEC West champs, right? They return all five members of that starting uh, starting offensive line, which is not talked about enough at LSU. It's not talked about enough Dude. in college football Dude. when you can return everybody on your offensive line. So, LSU is a dangerous team. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to be a top four team, but they certainly have the chance to do that, you know. And again, Tom, it's one of those things too where it's like you, you can expect them. Right to make that push and make that run. But like knowing that it's one of those things where it's like, but they they have to stay healthy. They can stay yeah. healthy, then you certainly expect them to have the chance to get there.
1: The reason I like USC and Oregon is because I think the Pac 12 is going to come down to them. So at least one of those teams mm-hmm. I think could burst out of that conference and find their way into the top four. It's going to be really difficult to break out of the SEC because, again, I I still think there's a chance three SEC teams could be in the playoff this year, which is (laughs) kind of insane. But at the same time, it's entirely possible. Uh, So I was just mentioning LSU at number seven, according to this list. Number six, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. And the way that I saw Joe Milton play, the backup quarterback coming in for the injured Hendon Hooker last year, uh, he came into the Capital One Orange Bowl and he absolutely lit that game up to the point that people forgot about Hendon Hooker and how crazy good a near Heisman caliber season that Hendon Hooker had. Tennessee, again, knocked off Alabama, had some difficult losses down the stretch that knocked them out of contention. Obviously, Hooker went down with a torn ACL. I think Tennessee, almost a lock for the playoff
0: that's a it's a tough one
1: that is a tough Your dog one agrees me, with me
0: my, yeah <laughs> my dog is barking in the background yeah yeah it's it's just a tough one for me tom because we talk so much about consistency in college football we talk so much about can you do it every single year and i think that's the question for for a school like tennessee is can they do it every single year can you replace can 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 joe milton do it every single week. Now, again, in limited action last year, we did see him play well. He didn't turn the football over. Three touchdowns, nearly 70% completion percentage in that bowl game. They returned both of their running backs, but could he do it every single week? They have a five-star coming in, Tom. So again, it's a similar situation to like a Texas, where it's like, all right, you know, Joe Milton, we we expect you to be the guy, but we do have a five-star guy coming in. That we know is capable of playing and growing and developing. So if you can't do it and you can't win, right, you're gonna be on a short leash. We're gonna have mm-hmm. to make that change in a hurry. So you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's certainly a 10 win football team, Tom. But do they make that push to be to be in the top four? I think it. I think it'll be difficult for them. Um, I, I really do. But but again, it, it's just it's that consistency of the schools like. Alabama, Georgia, and being able to do it every year.
1: Yeah. So this is where Penn State fans, I know you guys have been like, when are you going to talk about Penn State? Well, according to this list, they have, uh, again, this is ESPN's SP Plus Top 25 uh, for 2023, I believe written by Brian Connolly. So if you've got an issue with it, take it up with him. Uh, Penn State (laughs) is listed at number five on this list. Um, I'll quickly rattle off uh, four through one just so we have some context. They have Alabama at four. Number three is Michigan. Number two is Ohio State. And number one, of course, the back-to-back reigning national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. Let, let's take a second here to, to dissect that top four so that we can understand number five. Michigan is coming back, it looks like, pretty well loaded. Uh, I, 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 we talked about it on the last episode mm-hmm. is that I expect J.J. McCarthy to make some strides, and frankly, they're going to have to after what happened in that collapse against TCU in the college football playoff. The question is, did Michigan do enough during the offseason with recruiting, transfers, et cetera? And and has J.J. McCarthy done the right things to get himself ready to get Michigan over the hump? Because I I think they can beat Ohio State again this coming season, but can you get yourself past the first round of the playoff? That I don't know.
0: That, that's the question for them. I mean, again, you got like J.J. McCarthy returning. He brings back Roman Wilson. Cornelius Johnson returns again. Um, so they still have athletes on that offensive side of the ball. They're going to have a good offensive line, Tom. They're going to play well defensively. Everything is still there for them to play the style of football that they want to play. But he's got to become more of a prolific passer. Right, He has to become more of a guy that you can say, you got to win the game with your right arm. And he did that a few times last year, Tom, yeah. but it showed in the playoff that when you're going arm for arm, throw for throw with a team like TCU, I don't think it was there. That's where he needs to grow. That's where he needs to develop. So will they have a chance to win the Big Ten again? Will they have a chance to beat Ohio State? Yes and yes. Will they have a chance to get back to the playoff? Yes, they will. But for the same reasons, and we're talking about Penn State, it's like, you know, are they just going to get back there, or are they actually going to actually and, and compete this year? You know that'll depend on the right arm. That'll that'll depend on the development of JJ McCarthy.
1: Mm-hmm. That's Michigan. Uh, I jumped around a little bit there. At three, according to this list, number four is Alabama. Alabama for the first time in a long time doesn't know who their starting quarterback is. There's going to be <laughs> competition amongst four different quarterbacks yeah. uh, of varying degrees of youth so we're really going to have to see how this plays out for nick saban and company alabama was quote down by alabama standards last year and they're still a really good football team and it's why i i come back to the teams like lsu and tennessee is that Alabama's still going to be there and if they come out of the woodwork with a quarterback that's stable Stable, really. You don't have to be Bryce Young, Tua, Mac Jones. You don't have to necessarily be that guy. You just have to do enough, and that's worked for Alabama for years. Uh, do you see Saban getting that out of whomever is lining up under center?
0: I think whoever uh, he decides to play will be well prepared, will be ready to play, and will be, you know, will will be uh, well coached enough to understand what they have to do to win. Now, there's a difference between doing all that time and then going out there and actually doing it and actually executing the game plan week in and week out. That's what this next guy will have to do for Alabama. You have to assume everything around him will be there, right? But when you're a new quarterback, expectations are high as they are year in and year out at the University of Alabama. Um, You got to make some plays. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, what's going to be interesting about it, Tom, is that quarterbacks in the SEC quarterbacks in college football are too good anymore and are winning games for their teams. So if you don't have that at Alabama, I don't think you have a chance.
1: And the positive thing, you go from Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator, who you know is extremely good, to Tommy Reese, who's gotten a lot out of a little at Notre Mm -hmm. Dame. So if he can do the same thing with four possibles, who knows what Alabama could be this season? So that that's a big question mark at quarterback, and that's going to kind of be the theme for the remaining two teams I want to talk about. Number two on this list is Ohio State, mm-hmm. another situation where, for the first time in a while, Ohio State doesn't really know who its starting quarterback is going to be. There is going to be a competition throughout the offseason, but you and I both know the way Alabama, uh, Ohio State stacks their schedule, they really won't have much of a challenge outside of the first week of the season until maybe October. like They just do a really nice job setting up their schedule so they have cupcakes, and it gives young quarterbacks and Ryan Day a chance to get their legs under them. And then let's not forget the ridiculous amount of weapons that they're going to have at wide receiver with Harrison, Ibuka, Fleming. It's just crazy what they're going to have returning, but does it work if you don't have the right quarterback?
0: Um, I I wouldn't put anything past Ryan day. I think he's extremely underrated as a head coach. I think he's underrated as a play caller. I think he's underrated as a quarterback developer and we've seen it now with the quarterbacks that he's had and the quarterbacks he's helped grow, mature and develop year in and year out, Tom. Um, so again, similar, you know, the similar situation Alabama's in, the pieces are there. It's just about finding that right guy that can fit, um, and that you can trust, um, but I fully expect Ohio State, their, their season will come down to two games again. It's going to come down to Penn State, and it's going to come down to Michigan. Um, and what happens in those two games will determine where, where Ohio State goes. It, I mean, that, that's um, you know that's been the case for them. That will be the case for them. I'd be more concerned if I were Alabama about a quarterback than I would if I were Ohio State and finding out who your quarterback is.
1: Ohio State hosting Penn State but on the road against Michigan – that's that's a tough one, mm-hmm. and again, I I still like the Wolverines now for maybe like a third year in a row, which is yeah. kind of crazy to think crazy. about. Yeah. Uh, the number one team on this list, obviously, as I mentioned, back to back reigning national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. And speaking of the quarterback motif, no Stetson Bennett, he is finally done with college football. He's the Matt McGloin of Georgia in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, you've got another big question mark at quarterback, and the thing that was interesting about Georgia this year. I don't think the defense they had this past season was better than the national title team from the year prior. I think the weapons they had this season were also worse than the year prior. Um, I I expect them to rebound and make some strides. You expect them to be dominant along both sides of the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line. But again, it comes back to quarterback. Who in the world is going to step up and do what Stetson Bennett did?
0: yeah and again, Tom like it's 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 one of those situations where if you're a quarterback, it's the position that you know you 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 want to be the guy you want to be in that huddle knowing that Brock Bowers is back. McConkey's back. They brought in Lovett from Missouri. Uh, Thomas came in um, from Mississippi State, Tom. So everything is there. The pieces are there to where it's like, all right. You you don't have to be the hero. You don't have to come in and win every single game with your arm. Just understand what you have around. Play within this system here and just do the job. Do your job, right? I think if they can get that message across to whoever their quarterback is going to be next, you know, this is a team that's going to be in contention once again there at Georgia. So, you know, when you look at those three teams, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, um, you know, I think Alabama is certainly farther off than where Ohio State and Georgia is at replacing their quarterbacks.
1: For me, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan feel like almost locks for the Mm -hmm. college football playoff next year. I don't know who that fourth team is because I still have my biases with Penn State. (laughs) Penn State is number five on this list. To me, I don't think this upcoming season hinges on Drew Aller if he completely falls off uh, uh, the cliff of that people expect him to be at. You know, like he completely disintegrates in a way that no one's anticipating. Yes, obviously, it's going to hinge on Drew Aller. I almost look at it kind of the way Steve Jones has phrased it in the past when he's been on the show talking about Sean Clifford last season is that uh, Steve Jones had said Sean Clifford just needs to have a two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, period. Doesn't I don't need Drew Aller this coming season mm-hmm. to throw for 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, and two picks or something like that. You, I don't think you need it. You have a good offensive line coming back. You have a solid defense that's ready to go. You have a great running game with two stellar tailbacks. Questions at wide receiver, yes. You have a really good tight end room. Drew Aller, in my mind, just needs to learn and steadily come along and just do enough. You don't need to be Superman as a sophomore. Yeah. What do you th-
0: no, I completely agree. And, and, you know, look back what you have. Take a look at what you have at the line, who you have back, who you have stepping up, right? Um, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, you know, can Lambert Smith take that step forward? I think Cephas can be a guy who can come in and help make an immediate impact, a guy that yeah. has played a lot of football, redshirt senior transfer. He can kind of be that voice in Al R.'s ear saying, listen, relax, take your time. You know we got to be on the same page. You know he he can he can help lead that kid, um, in a way. Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, again, guys that have played a lot of football. You know Drew Allar is fragile right now. So what Mike Yursich needs to do, what these experienced offensive guy, offensive skill players need to do, what this offensive line needs to do is help this under kid in understanding what he has around him and say, listen, we got your back, right? Don't put all this pressure on yourself to make this big throw, big throw, big throw. Now, when you're called upon to do it, we expect you to do it. But just know you can lean on us. We're here to support you. We have your back. Just play your game. Stay calm. Be confident. We got you. Mm-hmm. That, that needs to be put into his head every single day at practice in the weight room, in the film room, Tom, right? This is a team. This is a team. This is a team, right? Take your time. Like We're understanding you're maturing. We know you're growing here right? But we got your back, right? I think if he knows that and he understands that it's going to take a lot of pressure off his plate.
1: James Franklin loves the mentality of 1-0 and every single week, just one week after another. And I think that the positive about that mindset, plus the way Drew Aller Mm -hmm. competed last year in his few opportunities. Every single week, Aller went out there. The coaching staff said he learned something new. He got better week to week. And I think we all saw it. I I rarely saw instances where it's like, "Eh, he regressed maybe. It was, nope. He might see something Mm -hmm. where it doesn't click necessarily, but he learned and I could see that incremental progress every single week. Mm -hmm. Do you think James Franklin and the coaching staff this coming season is thinking playoff or bust?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think they're thinking Big Ten Championship or bust. And I don't mean winning. And I think, I mean, that's the goal is to get there and then we'll get there and try to win it. Right. You know what I mean? But I think that, I think that is the goal for them, right? They certainly belong in the conversation. You talk big 10 championship, Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan, you talk to eight to eight to 12 teams in the college football playoff. Well, Penn state could be one of those teams, a sleeper team that can make a push depending on how Al R guides his team, how he grows, how he develops. But I, I, I don't think the mindset is playoff or bust i think it's you know a very successful season they beat ohio state or they beat michigan um you know and and they get i mean they, they somehow get to the big that championship game i think that would be a success for penn state um you know it's going to be a visual thing too with al tom right you're gonna you're gonna see it and you're gonna know like all right this is that this, this is gonna be it moving forward here they're they're gonna get there one day, or it's gonna be, you know, uh, I don't know. I, it didn't it didn't look the way it should have this year. He didn't grow. He didn't develop. He's making the same mistakes week one, five, nine, eleven. That he, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. that that'll be a big thing. It's gonna be a big visual thing for him. Is he well prepared? Is the moment too big for him? Are the lights too bright for him? Or is he stepping in? Not all he's confident, and, and here we go. Um, but going back to really answer your question, I, I don't know if it's a playoff or a bust.
1: And that's never something James Franklin and company would publicly say. That's just not their M.O., so we'll have to see how things go. But honestly, that Big Ten East, it's so top-heavy. And frankly, the Big Ten is top-heavy with those three teams going Mm -hmm. into 2023. whomever can sneak out of there between Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State is going to have a really, really strong case for the college football playoff. And it it was proven this past year, and I talked about TCU and Kansas State, the way that Big 12 title game went down, Kansas State won, TCU still got into the Mm -hmm. playoff. Obviously, some things happened here and there that allowed them to do that, but winning that title game doesn't necessarily mean you're – you're in or you're out, but it's certainly going to help. And I, I love the way that you put that. I think getting to that Big 12 title game, if you did enough with your schedule and other dominoes fell, you set yourself up with a really good resume for the playoff committee. So we'll see what happens, as we always say. So uh, thank you all so much for joining us here, and we'll see you next week on Pater. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at qb 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Pay Dirt is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pay Dirt.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.